0: Celtic
1: stuff live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. I'm Justin Poulin. Joining me is John Duke, and we've got the midseason review for you or the second-half season preview, depending on which way you want to look at it. Celtics are 32-10. and They wrap up a Saturday night win against the Brooklyn Nets, and that puts a cap on the first half of the season, which will be marked by their trip to London to face the Philadelphia 76ers overseas, and they get a few days off, although they probably won't be very restful. Maybe restful on the body somewhat, John, but but not restful in terms of travel and PR commitments, most likely when they get over there, but 32 and 10, can you believe it? That's uh that's a 62-63 win team and most people thought it was optimistic to be calling 56 wins. It's been a strenuous schedule with an injury to one of their biggest free agent acquisitions in team history. We don't really need to tell our listeners that yet again, but just taking stock and as we look ahead to potential draft lottery lakers falling apart and maybe some buyout acquisitions that the team could look at they do have the uh, exception that they can use that was created with the hayward injury and also trade targets so i think it's time we just set the table for the second half take stock of the first half there's a lot of meat on them bones
0: (laughs) there is meat there is a lot of meat i mean it it's uh to go back to the first thing you were talking about, I mean, it, if you had asked us, and, and I think we did actually did a show um, right before opening night, you know, and, and kind of that capturing that moment after Hayward's, you know, ankle breaks, what happens? And it puts so much pressure on young players who weren't prepared, weren't ready, didn't know what, you know. We didn't really know what we had. I think we thought there might be some potential with Jason Tatum. We hoped that Jalen Brown would, would continue the leap that we saw opening night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think every, everything that could have gone, uh, is you know, well for the Celtics has. Uh, there's been growth in almost every single player's game. I think the stars have stepped up and, and set a clean mark for the team moving forward. And I think that the, the best part of this team, as you look, you know, kind of off into the mist is and the future, is that you can see there's growth there. You can see that there's still a room. They haven't hit their ceiling. It's crazy to say that at thirty-two and ten, uh, with you know the second best record or third best record in the league, but the best record in the Eastern Conference, clearly and clearly that they have room to get better. Not only because they have an all-star potentially joining them uh, in April May, we hope, uh, but obviously Jason Tatum, who's doing this weird thing where he scores fourteen points, six rebounds, seven rebounds, and hits some of the more uh, important and Meaningful baskets in an entire game. Ferocious baskets. Night.
1: Ferocious. I mean, oh. some of the dunks that he's had recently has really put him on the map. Uh, it's really incredible. I Just look at that Minnesota game, right? That throwdown over Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, come on. Give it up. And then not to mention ice in his veins at the end of the Brooklyn game. Maybe not right. as much of a competitive matchup, but you know Brooklyn wants to stick it to Boston. It's just it's in their heart to do so as they try to show that they're not a uh failing franchise without the draft picks.
0: Yeah, well, about that. You know, and and you can't really blame them. Look, I mean, they just, they just have kind of started the process with Okra for having, after having acquired him. D'Angelo Russell is, you know, has been out. So, you know, they haven't really been able to kind of get that traction with those, that group, but they're a spunky bunch. They're, they're a bunch that you, you don't want to play, particularly the dog days when you know, they're they're scrappy. They're going to fight for every loose ball. They're going to try to get ahead on you, just like that 14 Celtics team was really trying to do before things kicked in. The draft picks kicked in, and you know, no matter what, the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics are going to be linked as long as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are are getting buckets for the Celtics. When you so, said the spunky Bunch,
1: I immediately thought that there was a uh, Marcus spunky Mark. Okay, Marky Marky Marcus of the Spunky That was just that was just so right there for it. Right there for the taking. And it could be steal Marcus it, Morris, Morris of the Spunky Bunch. but Feel really the vibration.
0: Really... <laughs> come on, come on. It's <laughs> too easy. And I mean with the
1: whole Boston thing, it's just perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh All right, gosh. so what we've got is you know, really just an overperforming, very young team. Kyrie Irving comes better than advertised, which is really crazy to say. You look at that Cleveland win and Cleveland like rolled, man. They rolled in the second half. I was actually quite surprised because I thought the Celtics left the door open for them to climb back in and they really didn't want any part of it on, uh, in Boston. I'm really, I was very surprised. It was almost well- shocking.
0: I, you know what I would say though to that is I, I would give, you're right. I think, you know, back in second hand of, of, of back to back, but let's, let's also give some, let's tip the old chapeau to, uh, to Terry Rosier. I mean, Tito hit some, which big, we have big, been
1: over the last we have three been. or four weeks. Yeah. And we saw it right away. It's like, Hey, wait, this kid's really coming on. And yeah, huge performance in that game,
0: But but you're right. I mean, they hit the Celtics had kind of faltered. They were missing threes. Shimmy was missing some shots and, and they just couldn't get anything going. Start of the fourth quarter, Tito Rosier comes in there and just hits a couple big shots and the whole, and that was it. I mean, that was basically the game effectively right there. They pushed out the lead back, the lead back out and then Celtics had it from there. I, I think the, the Tito Rosier smart, uh, their resurgence, uh, as players that we saw early on and then it kind of faltered there in that mid-stretch where the Celtics started to struggle as their, their winning streak kind of fell apart. Now they've kind of reemerged. And now the question is, you know, okay, can they sustain this? This has been my beef with, you know, basically the roster construction of the bench. And even to say it's a beef is stupid because you know, this is the way you have to build a team from within is you need to in, in, enable and embolden these guys like Rosier and Smart to take on leadership roles and leading roles that you depend upon. Now they're being asked to do that. And can they continue to do this now? There's a little bit more practice time, a little bit more time for them to kind of, you know, get back underneath themselves. It's going to be a test for them here in this second half. We're going to see over the next month, you know, I think we're going to look ahead here to the trade targets and and what the Celtics need to do over the next month to figure out what they need to fill in on their bench for the rest of the way. But I think in the next month, Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart are going to be playing for effectively what their jobs will be after early February. They've got a month to show Danny Ainge they can be counted on, they can do this, and that they should be key, crucial members of this Celtics rotation as they try to make a deep playoff run.
1: Well, T. Rosé has shown that he can do it in the postseason, and honestly, so is Marcus Smart, but it's, again, those intangible plays over and over that we talk about. Had a nice offensive night. Um, I believe it was against Minnesota is the one I'm thinking of where – You know, he was kind of driving to the basket and creating some opportunities for him to get a shot. He was hitting outside shots as well, but I think the most important thing was that he was doing uh, more than just or utilizing more than one talent to get buckets. And I love seeing him go to the rim. What was amazing was how much space he had once he got there. And, you know, that's the, that's the big question mark. If he really started to assert that part of his game, uh, more regularly, would he pull it off or would defenses adjust and is he just the benefactor of you know, other attention being drawn away from him. And everybody kind of figures as long as they put a little pressure on him beyond the arc, you know, they've kind of shut him down offensively other than the passing. So I did say 32 and 10 with the Celtics, but they're 33 and 10. And ironically, since they beat the Houston Rockets, uh, at least that's what my NBA app says. You know how much faith I have in that. I was pretty sure it's 32 and 10, but it's telling me, I'll just, I'll show you here on the, on the screen here. It says 33 and 10.
0: But either way, since they beat Houston. We'll take Houston, an extra one. They we'll can give an, us one. I'm abs- abs- good with it. Maybe
1: they're just calling their shot against Philly.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, 33 and 10. I'm sorry. I was going back from the older one. Yep, that's yeah. what I have too. <laughs> so anyway. 33
1: and 10. If you look at, if you look at the, the game against Houston, since then, Houston has faltered and, and the Celtics are right back up there on top. But pretty much neck and neck if you want to look at it that way. They've got two more losses than Golden State, but pretty much neck and neck with the Warriors. That's pretty good company halfway through the season. That's not Absolutely. that's not a oh no, this isn't that team or they got out to a hot start or well, it doesn't matter. Just playoff caliber team. It doesn't matter how young they are and I think It won't matter in the postseason. I know you're saying Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart are trying to figure out where they're going to fit into that playoff rotation. Quite honestly, though, I just think Brad's going to use the hot hand. Always has, always will. He'll claim matchups as the deciding factor, and we'll see them get minutes according to how they want to play. If they decide they've got to go small, which I think is kind of a thing of the past in a way. I mean, I understand, obviously, if you have Tice or Baines out there, you're not going small, typically how we – claim it being a small lineup at least with the constructs of this team it's when you see Horford go slide over to the five effectively and you have somebody smaller at the four and then that's the small lineup but it's nothing compared to the small lineups of the past with three guards two of them under six foot two it's not the same kind of small and with all the switching ability even when they go small they're just trying to find their best matchup and they're going to exploit Teams in the postseason. So, does does I think Terry Rozier plays big? You know what I mean. And sometimes there are moments on that second unit where they need a spark. And we talked about this. I know it's kind of been a short week for us because we just did a pod midway through the week this past week, but. If you look at what Terry Rozier has done in big moments, I I would expect that to continue in the postseason. Maybe not game after game, but not exactly Kelly Olynyk way either where you only get one in the entire postseason from him.
0: Well, I I think I think the issue has with uh, I think it's early to say that we can rely on him yet. Yeah. I mean, I I I would love to I would hope that I hope we can say that in a month. Um we saw a very hot smart start from Terry. And then his shooting just went into the tank. Um, really not hitting the broadside of a barn. Now he's recovered. And, let, and let's also recall: I mean, in two regular seasons before this one, not much, not much. Not only consistency wise, but but really struggled in right through the last two regular seasons. But that's the regular sure season. Sorry. Well, it not is, when but the
1: pressure's on. You got to play saying.
0: 82 games. I know what you're saying. You do, but you got to play 82 but games. But you're you talking out. about
1: how they play. They're not going to get.
0: They're not going to like carve out a role. <sighs> they're not going to say we're not going to go out there and get uh, Tyreek Evans or someone else. I mean, that's the problem. is if, if Terry doesn't solidify his his place now. They're going to go out and get somebody to to fill that role, and then there's not going to be room for Terry Rozier in that playoff. If they season. make a move That's like, like that, got to make it make a run here right if now. If
1: they make a move like that, it's also going to be one with fiscal sense in mind that's really they're very mindful that way so if they don't like their chances of re-signing a guy in the postseason you know I would actually be a little more afraid if I were Marcus Smart but they they still have the right to match this offseason so it's not that critical either they could always look to do something like they did with Avery Bradley it's not the end of the world but you said not the regular season figuring out their post their place in the postseason rotation. You didn't say on the roster You said figuring out their role for the postseason play. So I would say Terry Rozier is going to be perfectly fine, perfectly comfortable, and will perform in the postseason. But you're correct about the regular season. This is probably the nicest stretch he's had in his career. He's a young player, so that's not uncommon. And this whole team is young. So I would say, if anything, their performances are uncommon. But his stretch of play has been nice. would be great to see him continue that past the trade deadline Stay on the roster and be able to find his way uh, into the postseason rotation where he seems to thrive and has the last two seasons. I think he's given them really big minutes when called upon, but it's been in a limited role. If you're asking, oh, is Terry Rozier going to expand his role? Well, maybe that's the next question. But real quick, a reminder. Follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live, as well as your host. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. And the entire CLNS Media Network is at CLNS Media. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report with our buddy, Nick Jelso. Yeah, he's the founder. And John, you're talking about trade targets, trade, (laughs) trade carcass. You're talking (laughs) about trade targets. Who's on your mind? You you threw out Tyreek Evans. Who else is on your mind? Who are you thinking about for bolstering this roster? And, and then also have you thought about whether or not it would make fiscal sense for Danny Ainge versus just who might be available?
0: Well, I think, I think it's a, it's a complicated question. It's a question of need, right? I mean, it, it the first thing you got to find out, do you think Hayward will come back? Uh, and, and I, it, and we've talked about it. I think he will come back. I think it's going to happen. It's going to be April. It's not going to be, you know, February, it's going to be April. It's going to be a playoff type, you know, trying to to fold that into your team, which may be a challenge. But if you add him, you're really not looking at the wing. I think you're looking at a guard, and you're looking for maybe a kind of swing forward or maybe a big. Um, so, I think Tyreek Evans is a guy who actually kind of can fit into a number of different roles. He can be a wing, he can be a guard. He's six five, but his his shooting percentage is going way way up um I, I think the question is that he's tyree kevins is a guy who sits right in the way of what terry Rozier does in my mind he's not the lead guard but he's your two guard that you can play next to smart and i think that that's you don't need to make that move for a guy like him and if you don't do that then the next guy you're looking at is is greg Monroe going to get bought out by the phoenix suns if greg Monroe is bought out by the phoenix suns that's your, that's your next best thing because it's not going to pro- probably require anything of you other than having him sign his name on a contract. And if so, then I think that's your best bet. Um, you know, I don't know that you can get Tyreek Evans for, you know, you're going to have to give up a, a number one pick. Are you going to use that Celtics draft pick that, you know, which will be a 28, 29, 30th draft pick, uh, to get him along with the DPE. That seems like an unceltics like maneuver, but if they think they've got a chance, and we just talked about why they're quite a bit higher in the in the pecking order than we expected going into it, maybe this is you roll the dice. There's some other guys, some lesser candidates, some JJ Boreas and some some Lou Williams is out there. Uh But I think why Tyreek mess with the chemistry
1: of... unless it's like it's a player that you know is going to be able to have an impact? I mean, that's that's the way I'd look at it. I I definitely. Can see where you're coming back, coming, uh, at it with Evans just simply from the standpoint of more veteran presence. I mean, this team is going to have a different sort of complexion in the postseason because we know the vets get the calls and you know you need those steady, the steadying hand of the veteran presence just in general to be able to swing the ups and downs. You get a blowout and you get a little, get your sort of boxed into the corner a little bit in a series it's hard for young players to dig out of that. And I'm not saying that players like Tatum and Brown aren't ready for that challenge, but I am going to say that it's a different beast. Even the way that the games are officiated, it's a different beast. So going out and getting some veterans that you can bring and add to the squad does make sense from that standpoint. Uh, Monroe... I can definitely see the appeal there because there's no long term commitment and you've got the exception to use anyway. So that that is a pickup that just would only help in bolstering that that uh, that front line, because let's face it, they're a little weak on the front line.
0: They are. And I don't know if uh, we have we saw this happen the other night. We saw, you know, that. Uh, obviously, Horford was out against, against, the you know, the, the Nets. Baines picked up five fouls, and, and thank goodness we had some great minutes there by Daniel Tice, who did a great job there. But to close out the game, it was, it was Shimmy Ojale underneath there, you know, and you're playing against the Nets. So, admittedly, what are we really talking about here? But I think you could. What Scal, Scal was on with uh, Chris Mannix on the, uh, his, his podcast for, uh, for Yahoo. And Scal said, I think what the sellers are looking for is they're trying to get, uh, someone that they could bring in here with, uh, the player exception, the DPE, and see they can pay someone eight, eight and a half million. Well, let's say you buy out Greg Monroe. He gets his 18 million. You sign him for eight million with the DPE, and then you can extend someone with the DPE an additional hundred and twenty percent of the contract. So you give him ten million. So effectively you could give Greg Monroe, if you look at it this way, eighteen million dollars for your second year of this contract, basically next year. So you'd have him you'd have him effectively for the rest of this year and next year for eighteen million. Seems like a pretty good deal, and it gets you a, a really good player that you're not going to really be able to get on the on the free agent list. He's not going to be an MLE guy that you're going to be able, be available for. So that would be the type of guy, a passer, a guy who can get you buckets in the second half. I mean, uh, in the in the second half or the second rotation, there. I'm just, I think that he would be a great fit here. Um, in a, in a secondary role, particularly where so much right now is on Al Horford, and the team just doesn't play it as well without him. If he could come in here and give 50% of what Al Horford does with passing and scoring, that would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I don't really see it with guys like Marcus Gasol. I know that that was kind of a big rumor there for a while, but contract size and what you'd have to give up for that, it just doesn't make any sense. I think any move – Still has to be a move for a, a player young enough that the future is still kind of in play with that player. That they would have options to the point that you just, you know, mentioned with Monroe. You want to be able to have those options and you don't want the team to get too aged. And so I don't think, I, I think that, that they're definitely going to be looking for younger players. How old is Tyreek Evans, by the way? Do you have any idea?
0: Oh, geez. I think he's 28, 29. I mean, he's he, he he's was, still south uh, of
1: 30. I mean, I think that that's kind of what I'm getting at. You know, the player, obviously it's not going to be a, a, well, barring a major deal, none of which we're talking about right now, you know, the players that are going to be coming in aren't going to be a major piece for how the Celtics build over the next four or five years necessarily. But somebody just south of 30, you know, even if there's a couple of years left on the deal, that certainly is something that I could see
0: happening. He is, uh, his birthday, I should say, his birthday is, oh, I just had it here. they <laughs> just jumping around me. September of 89. So he doesn't, he's going to be, uh, this year he's turning 29. So he's 28 right now. 28 going on 29. Yeah, so, perfect. See, that, that's that a,
1: totally, that's a veteran, but not an aged veteran. That's somebody who's going to be able to get calls, going to be able to do things on the court kind of has been enough through the ropes, established position in the NBA, but not so old that, you know, you're running down that Paul Pierce, Ray Allen timeline.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. he Cause got, we were on the clock got... then, right? We were on the clock. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and now, you know, you've got <laughs> Memphis is a team that's certainly not going anywhere fast. um We're not sure when, when uh, they'll be able to get their guys back and, and, so what are they playing for right now? It makes sense for them to kind of shed a bit of salary, kind of go into the tank a little bit, get your guys because Celtics on their pick next year. <laughs> so all the more reason, this is the year they need to take advantage of how bad they've been, sell off some, some players and try to get back what what they can uh, in in the uh, draft this year. So, Tyreek Evans is is perhaps a more expendable asset than usual. The thing is, is guys like him usually give up first-round picks. And so, are the Celtics be willing to give up a first-round pick for somebody of that caliber who's an expiring contract? It seems un-Celtics-like to do that. Uh, but Not if it's their own pick. I mean, one of those lower picks. They already know it's going to be at the bottom
1: of the draft. So, their own pick, maybe.
0: Yeah, but... I mean, it, that's the, you know, it's like the Kyle Kuzma. It's the, you know, it's that pick that you give away. Okay. Now you're not going to have a chance to get the Kyle Kuzma to, to get the, uh, the Draymond Green or the, the Shimmy you know, the low cost, uh, guys that you can throw on the bottom Let's of your look bench. Look at all those second round ball.
1: picks. They still, they, they've always got a second round pick. They've already got a bunch of those guys that are being stashed in way of Maine. And we'll talk about that in a second, you know, as we talk about, we don't really know the timeline for their travel over to London, but you were at a Red Claws game on Sunday. So you know, at least Yabuseli and Nader were still in town. I would think the travel day would be a Monday. A lot of PR stuff on, or kind of rest up, light PR on Tuesday, heavy PR on Wednesday, Thursday, play the game, probably head back on Friday. That's, that's what I would estimate is their plans, but we'll see. That would give them some practice time and plenty of, you know, media hype over there, overseas. So we'll get to that in just a second, but listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season is halfway through. And your hardwood heroes have returned to action. It's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level. The best part, you get to draft a new team each day, and drafting a team is... Is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing that's better is winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a three dollar entry into a thousand bucks. There's huge cash prizes, and bragging rights await you only at DraftKings.com. Use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com. That'll be a free first deposit for you to share in ten thousand dollars in total prizes. That's tonight. Don't wait. Use code. Code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup. And you can seriously cash in. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. All right, John. So let's talk the London trip. Let's talk a little bit about the draft. And
0: let's make some predictions for the second half. Why don't we do that? I love it. Let's do it. I'm like, I'm all up for it. I'm I'm into it. So into it. Let's well, go, baby.
1: I'll tell you who else is going to be into it. Right away, I can say for sure that that those London folks, the Europeans, they love themselves some basketball. Uh, this is a pretty big move on the NBA's part. They've been global for a good long time, the game of basketball anyway, and their influence on it. And just look at Stefan Marbury's success over in China, right? So – you you just know there's going to be a lot of hype for this game. The NFL did you know? I think the Patriots went to Mexico City for what the second time this year. So th- this is something that all sports are trying to do.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, thank goodness this is all it is because you know, look at what the sellers have had to go through in their in their whole schedule and and really the front loading and all this to try to make sure that they aren't as negatively impacted as they could be by the schedule that goes along with the justice trip. Um yeah, look, it's a global game. It's the fastest growing game in the in the world and it's things like this are part of the reason why the challenge is, you know, how do you fit in a chance for for fans overseas to get a taste of it without ruining the product the other 82 or 81 games that there are. So, you know, I think it's I think it's a nice thing. I, if it hurts the overall product, then you could argue it could have. I mean, I think they, they've been successful in spite of that schedule. They've been lucky not because of it. They've
1: been really yeah. lucky. I mean, from an injury standpoint, because, right. because they were already depleted and because they were young, you know, that they didn't have to rely on guys like Nader at the, when that, when the injury happened, that was the immediate conversation. You know, how many minutes are we going to see Nader play? How is it, you know, but, I, I think, if you recall, I said he'd still go with a fairly tight rotation, and that actually has been, I'd say, for the most part, the way Brad's gone night in and night out. Semi-Ujule's gotten some minutes. Nader's obviously gotten out on the floor. But for the most part, they've tried to roll with a tighter rotation. The only reason that some of those minutes got extended were additional injuries, which when that when it was Horford and Kyrie, remember that stretch where Mm – The start was really strong after the 0 and 2. They were really looking solid and all of a sudden it's like we've got concussions syndrome and, you know, injuries and face masks and yet they (laughs) weathered that storm. I mean, this is the year of the face mask for the Celtics. It was just insane. And yet here they are at, well, what the NBA app tells me is 33 and 10. Here they are at 33 and 10. (laughs) And, um, it's really a surprise. You would it's a surprise. even Brown got injured
0: twice, right? He wore a mask. Right. He's got the he knee the injury, right? We had goggles. the goggles going. Goggles, right? correct. <laughs> we had two face masks, a set of goggles. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was a game. It was. Right, it was the headgear. Remember, we were talking about the headgear thing. You know, oh, like right? The headgear.
1: the headgear. That was definitely our best episode yeah. of the year today. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That was. Yeah, that was the best of CLNS uh, 2017. <laughs> Uh compilation. No, I, yeah, I mean it I think that they are uh as you kinda look ahead, you know, they are now at a point where now it's a jumping off point. They're gonna be able to get some some practice time in here and you know, maybe nurse some of those injuries. I mean look, we got Al Horford's got the bulky knee right now, and he sat out. It seems like a weird thing. I don't know what it is, was you know, I think one of the quotes that uh came out of that. Um you know, that's not what you want to hear. Uh, but maybe he just needs rest, but that you don't like to hear, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why it hurts. Um, you want to know specifically why it is. So there's a course of action to treat it. Um, that, that makes me a little nervous, but what makes me a little less nervous is 10 days off in between. And, uh, you know, hopefully for Al that, that works. And, I guess there was a announcement tonight on Instagram that he's, he and his wife are having another baby. So that's, that's pretty cool too. But congratulations. That doesn't hurt your knee, but it hurt. Usually you usually have to go in and see a doctor about pain somewhere else. Um, a lot of ice. That's what I hear. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> dad stuff live. Um, he went there. He went there. He went there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Get the frozen peas out, Al. Um, so anyway, yeah, this is, uh, it's a weird time right now for the Celtics, but I think that they are, uh, they're jumping off into a good time for them to go over to Europe. I think this is, it'll be interesting to see what happens over there because of course they're going to play Philly and there's, there was kind of that, that was the first game of the winning streak and there's some bad blood there. I think, I think, you know, time you go up against a bead and Come on, I you trade it down.
1: You took their first yeah. round pick to trade down, and and Markel Fultz hasn't played, and you're looking at Tatum, and he's getting a lot of love for, you know, All Star Weekend potentially. You know, that's absolutely. Just, I mean, you know, he's going to be on. He's going to be on the rookie versus sophomore game. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion at this point.
0: He probably should be in the three point contest since he. I don't know. Third down, yeah, yeah. Second, third in the league.
1: He dropped a little bit. He had a rough week, but.
0: Well, he, you know, and, uh, Mark D'Amico kind of pointed this out on Twitter that ever since he, you know, dislocated the pinky, he's, he's been shooting about 25% from three. So I, you know, I'm not to say he, you know, that's the only reason, but I think uh, there's, en- there's enough data to look at seven weeks of him with a, a, a perfectly working pinky and shooting 50% from three. And then afterwards it's twenty twenty five 25%. I hasn't think it's stopped him from that.
1: throwing nope. down thunderous dunks or just absolutely oh juking the crap out of fools. It's just amazing. Oh his handle, he's such a fluid baller. It's mm-hmm. It just is really incredible. And, and nope. his passing, I think, is a big surprise to a lot of people. And, and if he yeah. continues to do, I saw your tweet there the other night, but I, totally in agreement. If he continues to pass that way, the league better look out. If he oh can draw God. that attention and dish with that confidence, it'll be insane.
0: Yeah, and and they started giving him some of that responsibility in terms of creating from the elbow, which is – that's, that's high-level stuff for a kid who's 19. Paul Pierce, you know? I baby. Mean,
1: Paul Pierce.
0: Yeah, but even Paul – I mean, Paul wasn't a creator like that until he got much later in his career. I mean, you remember, he – it was – that whole aspect of creating for others was not something that he was really doing a lot of. <laughs> it wasn't on. much
1: of a luxury. Who was he creating for well, outside of the point. Uh, Eric you know, Strickland? Right, Let's exactly.
0: Dots, you know, no, that's not the. Brandon way it goes. Hunter,
1: I, Brandon Hunter was pretty good.
0: <laughs> Brandon Hunter, it, it's just, it, it's crazy <laughs> to me that you've got a 19 year old you're doing that with, and and like you said, you're gonna go play Philly, and you're gonna get you know he's going to get out there and show you know, Robert Covington and others um you know the business i i'm so excited for this Philly game i will be watching it at work i don't care uh it's going to be great and uh you know i think will they win i don't know it's a weird thing you go over to europe You know, there's PR, and you're playing at a weird time of day. It's
1: kind of like that Sunday thing, right? The Sunday after the letdown game. You know, you you definitely... But that's really not the point of this one. This one's an easy loss to take. Uh, One thing I wanted to do and I haven't done yet is I know that they had that crazy condensed schedule before they head overseas. And I think we saw somewhere where there was like a month, the same amount of games with a month less of time. But I just wonder how much you know, counting the games up until Sunday's game against the Nets and then incorporating this full week influences that. But I still think it's an easier schedule down the stretch regardless. Um maybe not immensely easier. It might be skewed a little bit with this travel, but I but I do think it's still a lighter schedule. I'd I'd love to know how many how many games and how many nights uh pre and post this trip, right? So it's, it ends with the Nets game and starts with the first game back. I'd actually don't know what who they face when they first come back, but um, but that's no, what Pelicans. I'm, Pelicans, Pelicans yeah. The day
0: after uh, the day after Martin Luther King Day, right?
1: Yep. So you know, I'd like to. I still think it's going to be a lighter schedule. I think they're going to be able to practice more. It should be less harsh on the body. All those things really matter. So if they lose the game against Philly. I'm kind of like no big deal. I I don't think they will, but it's a wild card with with everything that's going on.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And you know, the, so the the Celtics to give you a sense, they had they have five back to backs in the second half of the season. They had they had if my counts were right, they had eight in the first half. So that makes an impact. And, and you know, you've got a, over a week off at the All Star break. Um, so they're going to play a month. Uh, you know, in between this this Philly weirdness, and then and then there's a month after that. Then they got the All Star break, so they're off there for a week. Um, they're going to be rested as well as as well as you can expect. And then March is a bit more of a slog, and as I said, there's two of the back to backs are in April. So it, it's you know you'll, you'll, there's going to be some rough stuff there, middle of March going into to, to late April. But listen, I mean. Compared to what they've been through, this is, this is cake, you know? And, and there there are some, there's more games against Toronto coming up, uh, that, you know, more of the, uh, they're gonna have a West Coast trip that they're gonna go on and and head out, but that's a little bit later. Um, they're actually heading out, they got four games, uh, you know, at the end of March. Usually they have that kind of right around.
1: More uh, mid-March. It's, it's usually more mid-March, not right at the end, but they do get, They do get that West Coast swing in March almost every single season. So, listen, with 10 minutes left in the show, let's talk a little bit. I know you're watching college ball. I know you're watching Duke because that's your team. And, you know, I have no college affiliation. I'm not that – you know I don't watch that much college basketball. I've already watched more college basketball this year than ever before. You would have thought last year was the year I was going to catch the most games. But I just caught Duke – you know, a handful of times last year, and I caught some games. Obviously, everybody catches some in the tournament. But um, but I caught on to Tatum, and I think we talked a little bit. Definitely, I'm loving Bagley. But I did get to watch uh, DeAndre Ayton, and I haven't watched Bamba yet, but that's a player I definitely have my eyes on. I've watched YouTube clips of Trey Young, who does have one of the quickest – releases I've ever seen he's going to be a great player at the next level I'm not sure how well he fits in with the Celtics I definitely think you take best player available so if they decide that he's the best player available that's who you got to go with the need seems to be more on that big side though so you're looking at Aiton you're looking at Bagley you're looking at Bamba I haven't seen Bamba live but I have watched some of the YouTube clips, and he's just freakish defensively. And I think that's what excites me about him. I got to see a game, and I, my preference right now is Bagley. was a little disappointed, even though Aiton had a, a huge night um, when I watched him. I think it was last Thursday on ESPN. He still had a huge night, but I felt like sometimes there were just rebounds that were like, just gliding past his hands that he wasn't getting his hands on. And I it's probably a ridiculous criticism. And he's still, you can see the freakish athleticism that's there and what he could be. But what I love about Bagley is just the drive and determination is so clear. The hustle is so clear. And he still has that freakish athleticism to go along with it. But Bamba, I just feel like the Celtics could use a major defensive player. Does he necessarily belong at in, in, in pick number three if, if the Lakers wind up with that selection and convey it over to the Celtics or number two I don't know you know we we see him more in that five six range for the most part but he could be a game changer on the defensive end
0: well I, let's let's start with all the caveats right now right first of all Tatum was not number one on most on 99% of all the boards out there, right? So it doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? Like, you look out there, right? Bomba is, like like you said, he's fifth, he's Yeah, sixth. he was outside
1: of the top you know? three. There was a consensus top three, and then Tatum was yeah. like, he could be four or five. It's him and Jackson, but Jackson's got a little edge on him, and then you're right. That's not how it worked out.
0: It's no, I mean, so you know, it, it, there's a bit of a throw everything out that you know aspect to it. But let's look at what the Celtics need, right? And I and I always think well, you don't look at the need first, because you know Danny's going to take best player available. That you you can tell that by he ta- he takes three point guards in a row, right? So he doesn't care about that. But if you're going to take a big, I think big the big position. You've got to find somebody who's got multiple skills, right? That's the the way you keep a big on the floor. I mean, there. Look at look at Andrew Bogut right now. Andrew Bogut just gets cut by the Lakers. He's a veteran. He's big. He can rebound. I see you he can set defend. the table.
1: I already know where you're going. You are setting the table. Just
0: man. No, just I'm just it's saying. So just funny. Saying. Oh come look, on. No, look, Lo. No, I I think I think it's true. I think I would say this even if anybody was in this position. But, like, I feel like right now it is <laughs> The fact league, that I already know where you you're going without you saying the no, name. No, no, you don't. Phenomenal, you don't. yes. You don't. I you don't do. know where I'm going to go. I'm okay. just saying I feel like Bomba may be out of the picture in part because he doesn't have enough skills. He He's not as enough of a passer. He's not enough of the outside scorer that, that I think today's game is calling for. Yeah, two, Having said that,
1: I see. To you're
0: him. Tatum is the guy. I mean, Tatum showed things in the NBA we never saw in college or very rarely. So I put that on pause and, and there may be things that you see in other settings, not in Texas, that it may work. But just from what I've seen, I don't think that's the guy. I think you got to find somebody who's, who's multidimensional as a big. I think Bagley fits that role. I think Ayton can fill that role. I don't think either one have shown the imagination in terms of passing. I'm not sure we saw that from Horford at at Florida, to be honest with you. So I think that's something that that a guy like that can grow into. Uh, I think Aiton is a bit more traditional in terms of his size. I think in terms of size, he's ready to play right now and play a lot because if he's 260, he's a good, big thick build. Yeah, he
1: kind of looks like Embiid. I know he doesn't play like Embiid. Well, exactly. I mean, there are some similarities, but Embiid's – Maybe not quite the same athlete, but he's much more fluid, right? He's fluid and he's longer. Like he's got, he's kind of got
0: that Tatum-like... Um, you know, Mister Fantastic of the Fantastic Four ability to just like stretch and you know use his limbs to kind of Aiden is much more of a block of granite in in the way that I kind of thought of,
1: and it's all know. in the upper body too. Like he's yeah. got these skinny little legs, but then when you look at like his chest and his biceps, yeah. you're like, how can he be such a house and then have these little skinny legs? And it he
0: kind of reminds me of Ewing that way, you know, because he's got that. That build is, is such that, I mean, he's, I think he's a little bit longer limbed than, than, than Ewing, but I feel like just his, his frame is built a little bit more like, like Patrick's was, which is perfectly fine fit for today's game, honestly. Um, cause Patrick eventually stretched out and, and, you know, I think he could have played today too. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think the motor thing, and that's why people are, I think I, that's why I'm probably a bit more drawn to Bagley than I am Aiton. Um, but I don't think that that's, I, Bagley has not played well defensively. That's that's his big bugaboo right now, and I think a lot of people are saying, "Well, can Duke play defense well enough at all? And is it is it coaching?" It the
1: same complaint on Tatum. So you know yes. that was the big question mark: was yep. can he hit an NBA three, and is he going to play defense? You know he's instant offense, and then look, he's played really quite a surprise defensively and obviously the three point ball as well. So I know we're going to talk about this a lot more between now and uh you know obviously the uh the lottery and the trade deadline these conversations will continue to come up. I don't think the pick is in play for trade at all and not not unless you're talking Anthony Davis. So I think we're going to table our second half predictions until the Celtics come back from their trip overseas because we're just about out of time but uh we'll only have one game to talk about and one trip to talk about so there'll be plenty of time on next week's show to break down our second half predictions and and this is a good sort of mid midway mark in the season at 33 and 10 but wanted to uh wanted to say great show john
0: Hey, it's good. It's always fun. Love doing it. A lot of good basketball to talk about in the, in the uh, in the coming months. And, uh, I think it's going to be a fun second half of this season. I think there were some challenging times and I think there's going to be some fruits of that. They're going to bear, uh, here over the next three months, four months, five months. So, uh, I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to keep rooting against the Lakers and rooting for the Celtics. I mean, it's just, that's the way it's supposed to be for all of us
1: boy and there's just a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow so <laughs> right yeah, we'll right be on. back next week and we will have our predictions for the second half. Of the Celtics season, it's been a fun ride so far. Things are only get better. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And a reminder that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtics Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poole, and Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
0: Celtic Stuff Live.